Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bags, the podcast for below-average golfers by two below-average golfers. My name is Owen Smith, as always, joined by Caleb Wallen. And Caleb, we have a very special guest today. Um, since you are the uh, since you are the formal royal, I will let you lead uh, with the introduction of John. So, Caleb. Yeah, uh, want to welcome on uh, John Lumen. Um, like myself, he was an Eastern Hancock Royal. Uh, like both of us, he was a Ball State Cardinal. Um, he was just significantly better than golf, or better at golf than both of us. So, uh, without further ado, John, welcome on. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. And uh, so, just for a little background, we were in our local local newspaper for the Birdie Challenge a couple months back. Um, and John had reached out, uh, to us and had said, Hey, I, I played some golf from Eastern. It's awesome. What you guys are doing, uh, went on to ball state and, uh, ha- has a lot of caddy experience. So John, I guess to, to start out, just give a little history to the listeners. Um, what, did, what did your golf career, uh, where did it start out at and, and what, what happened from there? Well, um, I, I didn't get a, I wouldn't say a late start to golf. I grew up in Charlottesville. You guys know where that's at. It's a very small oh, yeah. town. It's uh, <laughs> not a lot going on there. And uh, I, I mainly as a kid fished all the time and just explored. Um, so my mom had got remarried to a guy who was a golf pro. And I got into golf at like 12. And uh, you know, just learned I was fairly good at it from the start. And then that's all I did from that point on in the summers, I worked out at what was called Greenfield country club. And, um, and then I had my first hole in one was my like fifth time out. I was 13. Oh, wow. <laughs> at a, as what Pretty is cool. now Hop's tail, it was 150 yards and up the third hole and I hit three wood. <laughs> so oh, wow. Um, yeah. it's kind of funny story is I, I also aced that hole again about, four years later with nine iron. So same hole, three wood and nine iron. So, um, but anyway, you know, I played a lot of junior golf throughout the state, you know, they, they had individual one day tournaments and also state championship tournaments that were held up at Lafayette at Purdue, uh, was fairly successful there. Played obviously at Eastern Hancock at Arrowhead. I think that's probably still where they play. Um, uh, actually, so islands, yeah. Yeah, so my it kind of switched. So my um freshman and senior year, we were at Royal Highlands. Um, but my sophomore and junior year, we were at um let's see, Horseshoe Bend, which is now just a field out in Rushville. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Arrow has. Um, I saw some pictures of they had a benefit out there last week or something for the golf team, and uh, yep. it's, it's grown up quite a bit since I. <laughs> yeah. You know, 30, 35 years ago. Um, I think my one of my most vivid memories there is a nine-hole match. I, I had six birdies in the nine-hole match and shot four over. <laughs> so you, you do the math there. <laughs> I think I started out with a quad on number one and birdied two, and then had another triple and. Uh, yeah, it was interesting, uh, but those were, those were good times. And then um, my high school golf career, I we had the toughest sectional. We went to Noblesville, so I made it to that... regionals twice. Never made it to state because you know, as you know, if you don't have a very good team uh, in high school golf, it's it's you have one bad round, you're out as an individual. So um, so never made it to state. Um, 
But, and after that, I was West Point's number one recruit, United States Military Academy, um, coming out of college, but my, coming out of high school and my, uh, my verbal scores for the SAT weren't high enough. They sent me to a prep school. So I was accepted and everything's ready to go and kind of, kind of got cold feet on nine years in the military. Uh, ended up not going to West Point, coming back and going to Ball State and playing golf there for what was two years. <clears throat> so Nice. Yeah, so I correct me if I'm wrong, but was that hole-in-one um, during a high school match at, at Arrowhead that second time? No, no. That was uh, no? my okay. hole-in-one at Arrowhead. They were, they were actually all three of my hole-in-ones were before I was 21 years old, and they were all at at Greenfield or Hawkstail. Okay. Two on yeah, because I know. Um, did you have one in a match? In, I did in high not. School? I think I think someone did from our team. I, I was gonna say, was, I always I remember looking at the you know the the Hall of Fame or the record boards, which your your name is a part of up there. Um, and I I noticed that somebody had a hole in one, but I can never remember who. But I mean, yeah, the. That's it's still impressive. Yeah, I think that was Brian Maynard, probably another name you probably. Yes, that I does think, actually sound familiar. So yeah, it's been a it's been elusive ever since I was twenty one. I played a lot of golf since then. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting on one. I know Owen just you know in recency related he's he's gotten one fairly soon I guess you know last year or whatever but um um. Yeah, I I'm still waiting on mine. Yeah, well, one day, Caleb, one day you'll join John and I in the hole in one club. Uh, but but either way, so John, it, when you went to to Ball State, what did your what what did your career look like once you got there? Well, I, you know, at Ball State, they we carried a lot of guys on the team. I think there was 15 of us. Um, most of the guys, to be honest, were better players than I were. You know, I was at the time and, uh, you know, guys like Jeff Gallagher, you probably know the Gallagher name from Indiana, um, Dave Witt, you know, we were a pretty good team, you know, top three team in the Mac conference. Um, so my first, first year, I think I, I played in like two or three different tournaments, traveling tournaments. And then after that, it was, uh, the, the starting six was pretty much set and, we, it was more, if, if you want to ask what it looked like, it more just practicing every day. Occasionally a play-in tournament to see who gets the sixth or seventh spot that they take on the road. So uh, it was a lot of practicing and not a lot of playing in actual tournaments, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, riding the bench, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you uh, played a higher level of golf than either of us ever did. C Caleb was on the club team associated with uh with ball state but i didn't even pick up the the game of golf until i was about 18 or 19 so um yeah, yeah the fact that you're able to, to experience that and you know be be at that level is, is amazing what what were um i guess growing up up until that point what were some of your best scores um throughout high school and, and college Oh, I think high school um, nine hole match was like thirty three. I think okay. it was 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 the best score. And I, I conference, I think I shot seventy two in the conference one of the years I won it. Um, nothing, nothing outstanding. You guys, as being in this podcast and around golf, 
the level of junior golf now is so much better. I mean, yeah. scores are shooting there. I mean, on the, both the girls and the boys side, you know, they're shooting 67, 66 is that was relatively unheard of, um, mm-hmm. you know, in 85, 83 through 85 back when I was in high school. So I mean, the equipment, the equipment's got a lot better, but um, the players have gotten bigger, stronger, and um, more, more dedicated to, to them than we were back in the day. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, ask not, it was, is what was kind of the, the drive or what do you think the driving factor has been? I mean, yeah, the, you, you see all kinds of, of kids out there now, and it seems like the junior programs are being a little more developed. Do you just think that the game is caught on fire a little bit or, or what's your perspective on it? Well, I think it definitely has. It doesn't have the same stigma to it. I know when I went in, in at Eastern, it was considered, uh, you know, I mean, if you are, you're on the football team, you're a stud, but if you're on the golf team, you weren't really an athlete, whatever. Yeah. I think that's kind of gone away and golf becomes somewhat cool um, because, you know, all the football players end up playing golf when they get older. So, um, <laughs> right. like I said, the technology, uh, the PGA tour tiger made golf cool to be quite honest. Um, so there's a lot of people who, who started watching professional golf once tiger became in that never watched before and quite frankly probably don't watch now that he's not as big but yeah um you know and the access to to lessons um i think in the past when i was younger i think adults got more lessons than kids you had a junior program where a bunch of people you know participated all at once now one of my good friends i played golf at ball state with john hoover you know he's he's got a stable of junior golfers that he teaches um out of uh, out of Broadmoor in Indianapolis, and he's had state champions, state championship teams with Westfield. Uh, so I mean, it's just overall the uh, you know the level of teaching, athletic ability, equipment, um, and it, probably the biggest thing is they don't, they're not afraid anymore. You know, yeah, they're not they're not afraid to succeed. You know, yeah. I, I can remember times when I, you know in tournaments I have it like two or three under, and you know. <laughs> the nerves start kicking in. I don't think that, I think that they have that. I think that um, everybody has that a little bit, but I think it's so, it's, there's so much better at controlling their emotions um, than, than we used to be back in the day. And they probably don't party as much as we did either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Be> quite honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's, that's the thing that we, we focus on here on the podcast is, and I think is being talked about not, not only in golf, but just across sports is like the mental side of the game. I think there's a lot of investments that are being made into that. And I think that made it into it at a, at a younger age. And, and it's not just the, the technique of the, the, the golf swing and, and some of the on-course strategy, but you know, we, we've had um, John Sherman and Lou Stagner and some of these guys on the podcast before that are big into managing expectations um, and, and just really kind of going into that with some more mental preparation. Um, so I think some of that has gone away. So, uh, good, good to hear there, but, um, we do have to ask before kind of getting into the, the caddy stories and, uh, and all of that just wanted to, since we are the below average golfers and, uh, you are way above average, uh, even, even if you don't think 72 was a good score back in high school, I wish I could even, uh, sniff that, but, um with that we do have to ask and, and you might have already alluded to it with the four over with six birdies but what was your below average golf moment or moments 
uh, throughout your high school and, and college career? Oh, my below average. Probably just it's just not getting to state, you know. I mean, I, I've had I've had everybody has the the rounds. I think my freshman year, when we had some other Brian Maynard and some of the guys on the team that, um, you know, I didn't have the same mental fortitude as a freshman. I was nervous, you know. So I mean, I had plenty of rounds that are 45, 46, 47, um, you know, um. And, and probably, uh, you know, in, in, in college, not getting to travel as much, you know, and be part of the team as much as I was. I mean, I, I consider myself average now. I'm, I'm like a six handicap now. Um, I haven't broken 80 in about eight rounds. I have, and, and it's frustrating because I was good at once. And uh, I was better with persimmon woods back in the day than I am now with the, today's technology. So, um, and, you know, obviously from my caddy career, I've caddied for a lot of different professional players, both on the senior tour, the PGA tour, um, and corn ferry tours. And so you, you, you tool around 18 holes with those guys. You, you can, you see how below average you are <laughs> or below <laughs> average you can feel. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so real quick, before we get in, like, you know, like Owen said, before we get into the caddies, um, where was your sectional at? Cause like ours was at Hawksdale or Greenfield Country Club, I guess. Um, but we always had, I always felt like a very unfair sectional. Um, I think two out of the four years, um, we had a at least one team, like from our area or from our sectional, go to the state. Um, you know, as a as a team, not just individuals. Um, but we had like, you know probably close to the same teams that we had like center grove greenwood uh yorktown pendleton and i'm pretty sure uh yorktown may have won it my sophomore junior year um so we definitely i felt like had a very hard sectional yeah it's funny you asked because our sectional was at no was in noblesville at harbor trees and i think all four three of the four years the state championship came out of came out of Noblesville sectional because we, so I mean, think about it. We, we had a Greenfield central was better than we were. All my buddies played there. They had a really good team. They never came out of sectionals in, in Noblesville. So Noblesville, you had Noblesville, Kokomo, Kokomo Hayworth, <laughs> Carmel, um, and like two other schools up Zionsville. So I think, I think to get out the top three teams of state uh, that got out of state, there were all, Everybody, everybody was breaking 80. All five oh, guys. for sure. And my freshman year, I shot 46, 36. Um, I think my sophomore year, I didn't make it to regionals. I shot like 82. And then I shot 77 my junior year and like 75 my, my senior year. And then went to regional up in Lafayette. And, and honestly, I, I had to miss, I missed graduation because of the regional in Lafayette that day. And it was snow flurries in, in late May. So, um, yeah, I, I doubled the first hole and, you know, it, I was the type of person we talk about mental fortitude. If I get off to a bad start, you might as well just cash me in. <laughs> oh, I I'm with you. I am a head case. You can ask Owen. I am very much a head case. Yeah. I think my, um, I think it was my junior year. I missed going to regional by like two or three strokes. 
Um, but our, our team wasn't, you know, kind of the same, like we just weren't consistent. We, we had one kid on our team, um, that would like shoot 40, 41, 43, you know, one week. And then he'd turn around and, you know, shoot 56, 59, you know, I think he broke 60 one day and it was like, like, there's just no consistency whatsoever. And, you know, being in a very tough sectional with those bigger schools, um, I think we probably finished no lower or no higher than like eighth out of probably the 12 or 13 that were in our sectional. Um, but that was just because I think some of the back end schools didn't have, you know, all the guys to compete or, you know, some of them just didn't finish or whatever it was. So it's not like they would have been able to advance anyway, even if they did shoot the score. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely felt like we got the short end of the stick. And so it's, it's, it's not nice to know, but it's, (laughs) <laughs> understandably so that it's been happening for a while um yeah but yeah a, i mean it's tough you know i mean i, I guess going into the sectionals i knew for 100 certain that if i don't play well i'm not going on because right I, my, my the fresh my, my senior year i shot like i said i shot 75 i think our next lowest number two guy was 96 or something like that yep i mean it's just uh it's different playing at harbor trees where there's a lot of trouble and it was Arrowhead where you can kind of, at that time, you can manage around it, you know? Right. So, so when you got to Ball State, was your home course uh, the Players Club, or did you guys play over at Delaware? In, no, we played it. We played a course called Cardinal Hills. <laughs> okay. I, I've i heard of it. I don't I don't yeah. think I've ever played there. You know, it, it's, it's completely changed. I mean, I, I was at Ball State from 87 to 91, so – um, we didn't have a driving range. We went and picked our own. We had a field that basically that the ball state owned that we went out and hit our own balls, went out and retrieved them. <laughs> um, the players yep. club wasn't even, wasn't even open yet. wasn't even built. Okay. Yet. And then we okay. played, played Cardinal Hills throughout the, throughout the week. It's the exception of Monday and Tuesday. We played Delaware. So yep. that was cool. Cause I mean, Delaware wasn't, I mean, for me, I mean, a lot of the guys who I played golf at Ball State with were from country clubs. Right. Um, you know, I was I was from Greenfield Country Club or Hawkstail now. But Delaware was a really nice course for me, you know. I mean, so yeah. it was a treat to be able to play there uh, on on um, on Mondays and Tuesdays. So. Uh, yeah, we always had uh, one invite per year there. And then I actually worked there during college, so – I got to play every Monday during the summer there. Um, if, if not, you know, I'd go out when all the members were done and stuff like that and just walk the course after locking up. So yeah, I, I was very fortunate to be able to call Delaware kind of like a home course during college. Um, just because, you know, working there and whatnot, but yeah, uh, we had, uh, you're talking about best rounds ever. My still to this date, my best round, I think ever, not score wise, but, um, we had a qualifying tournament and I mean, you know how golf can be in the Midwest, like, you know, especially springtime. I mean, it's, I'd rather have fall golf, you know, fall golf season, but we always had springtime. Um, but it was a spring day at Delaware. I think it was probably like misty and rainy the whole day and maybe like 48. And I shot 68 and of all the entire team, the next lowest was like 74. It was a qualifying tournament. And it that is was very impressive. The weather was so bad that we all got there at the same time. Some of us went to 10 to start and some of us went to one. So 
our coach, Earl Yesingsmeyer, clearly didn't want me traveling with that team, even though I qualified. He disqualified every group that started on 10. Because we didn't play the holes in the order they were supposed to be played. It was it was a political thing. But anyway, I was to, to this day, it's the best, best round round I've ever had. So which yeah, I mean, knowing Delaware like I know it, like that is yeah. that is very impressive to just shoot that kind of score in general there. Um, yeah. let alone to do it in weather conditions that like that is wild. So yeah, yeah props that, to you for that, that. That 12th hole always baffled me down the road. Yep. Four down the road. Good. It's a good golf course. Yep. It is. It is interesting. Yeah. So no, you know, after college you go down to Florida um, and then you start to caddy. What was, what was that like? Oh, well, I, was, I just started to caddy. It was I had a lot going on between there. I got into finance when I, when I got out of Ball State. Most of my career was gotcha. in finance. Um, I worked for Fidelity Investments and a few other companies in there. But when my my wife, who's the breadwinner of the family now, she took a job in Jupiter, and I was our kids were young, um, you know, but they were going to school. I'm like, I got to do something. So I'm like, I just answered an ad about caddying because I, you know, I caddied a little bit as a kid. And I, my first year was at PJ National where they have the Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I moved over to there from there to the to the Ritz, which is now Trump Trump Jupiter, and caddied there for ten years. So and that's we're, we're back in Tampa now. I'm not caddying at, at the time, but um, uh, you know that was 2019 was my last year caddying. And in fact, one of my one of my last rounds was caddying for Trump and Tiger and Jack and Jack's son, Jack Nicholas's son. So. That was a that was a treat that day. Oh, not so. It was that great, was... Honestly, it was, it was. I mean, caddying was is was the most rewarding career I've ever had. Really, I mean, because you know, it felt like it's it's good to to do something when you feel like you're really good at it, and you, and um, in any profession, but but especially in golf, where you can, you know, you're outside, you're on a beautiful golf course, and you're around people that are generally generally having a good time all the time, you know? So yeah, yeah. I say that because there's, there's a lot of, you know, rich, really rich, miserable people too that I can't enforce. That, so that you said one of your last times was in 2019 with Tiger. So was that right after, was that after the masters or was that prior no, to? That was prior. It was February of, uh, February of, of 19. Um, I remember he was, uh, Trump had him had had Tiger and Jack out. It was supposed to be last minute got canceled and Jack's Jack Nicholas's son got added. It was supposed to be Trump, Tiger, Rory, and Jack. Uh, so I would have added a few more majors to the group, but you know, yeah. not bad. You, know, you can caddy for a group that has 32 majors in it, you know. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no doubt. So anyway, uh yeah, it was before his before his masters and you know, it's funny because, you know, Trump, uh, you know, he likes to boast a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he said that Tiger shot 63 that day. Tiger shot 65 from the Black Tees, which is like 7,600. And it was soaking wet. I was forecatting the other cat, Manny was back on the tee, hang, hanging on the tee. So I was watching out there. Tiger was backing drives up. And so it was playing all of 7,800. And just... uh you know, you know, when they talk about Tiger on a range and how it sounds different, it totally does. I mean, yeah. and he's, and he's got the, he's got the air about him, the front, you know, the aura and, you know, with high profile loops like that, especially as high, high profile as that, 
I've always prided myself and just, you know, treat them like another, another person. That's why I think that's why I was so successful. My Midwest roots, uh, I called with the exception of Trump, Mr. I, I called him Mr. Trump when he was not the president and president Trump, obviously, other than that, I call people by their first names. And I think, I think people were endeared by that because I mean, now granted, you got to back it up with hard work and, and, and the effort and the, and the, you know, personality and the attitude. Um, but you know, they like just being treated as a normal person. So, and Tiger was great the whole way around. Um, President Trump at the time has his own personal caddy, Manny. There was always more caddies in the group. Usually it was going to be me with, with Trump, but uh, Manny takes care of him personally. So, so it left me as the other caddy in the group to caddy for Tiger and Jack and Jack's son, which is a pretty good trade-off in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that is awesome. What yeah. a group. Wow. But uh, yeah, it, it was great. Um, and like I said, Tiger was great all the way around. He and I chatted, you know, I, and he, in that job, I mean, I've caddied for like Michael Jordan, all these guys I watched growing up. I mean, I watched every my Bulls game growing up. So yeah. I caddy for him. You know, you do have to kind of just separate yourself from, hey, look, I'm caddying for one of my idols. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm caddying for Tiger, Tiger Woods. I guess the only time I got starstruck really with Tiger during that round was, I was going up, uh, you know, they're called on a cart. We're four caddying. So um, I was going up to 15th where he hit it to like, I don't know, four feet. I'm walking up there and I'm, I'm walking with his putter. This, the Scotty Cameron, I'm, I'm just looking at him like, first of all, I think don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, don't right. drop it or, or step on it <laughs> accidentally, which that wasn't going to happen. But I'm looking at his putter, I'm like, wow. Where has this thing been? I mean, it's yeah. 14, 13 majors at the time, 14 majors at the time. So, and, and, and I was kind of like, whoa, I kind of had to pull myself back into the loop and <laughs> say, do your job here. But, uh, and, yeah, and like it as well. So, I mean, I, did you see like the wear spot on it and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's, we, that's the only thing we couldn't have that day because, uh, you know, Secret Service is, is our camp is our phones. So I mean, the Secret yeah. Service and the, the background check and all that stuff is that was one of the coolest things about the round. Really, personally, you know, it's it's a fiasco when when you're caddying in a group with the President of the United States. Obviously, um, you had, we had thirty carts full of media, Secret Service guys out for caddying in a fairway with me with automatic weapons. I'm talking to them. You know, they're having golf balls hitting near their heads i'm like i mean this doesn't phase you guys does it yeah. <laughs> i mean you, you got a much harder job i mean if you're gonna save somebody you're gonna take something harder than this title list off of your yeah. <laughs> off your head um so uh, yeah the whole experience is cool the fir first time you caddy for him as a president i was walking down the first ferry with, with uh president trump this wasn't with tiger this was uh um with another group i don't think it was anybody's big 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 in it but um you know we had a there was a flatbed truck following about no 200 yards back in president Trump. He goes like, he's like, what do you think? What do you think, John? He's like, I said, uh, I, th I think I've never felt safer on a golf course in my life. <laughs> he goes, you know, what's on that, you know, what's on that truck back there. Don't you? Cause I had a big tarp over. I'm like, no, no, what? He goes, it's a surface to air missile. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, it's already, I'm like, really, do we really need that? I mean, we're, we're, I mean, all these country clubs in Jupiter are, are, have the most, the biggest security anyway. Yeah. So it's like, okay, just roll with it. You know, yeah. the guy with the That's, nuclear yeah. footballs there, 
um yeah it's uh it was interesting um, uh, it's gotta be i would have right? loved to have caddied for tiger um in a different setting that wasn't as you know yeah. high profile um but uh it was it was great i, I used to caddy for tiger's ex-wife a lot i'd caddy for charlie i caddy for charlie when he was like uh i think maybe six and you and you could see it then you could see the swing then you know yeah um so uh, all right so in because you mentioned him we're i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this do you think charlie is the real deal or like is he just the social media like smoke that, that oh yeah he's tiger son he's gonna be good and you know he's played well in a couple of these you know tournaments or whatever but like do you like seeing him up close and personal do you think he's the real deal like like personally like i do well I mean, from I haven't seen him up close any time recently. I mean, when he was six, I was like, just like, oh my goodness, this is. Yeah. I mean, it's a good move. I mean, it's all you can say when six, you know. Right. Um, so, but from what I've seen of him playing, um, in in the PNC and a couple of things I've seen on YouTube of his junior tournaments, I I don't know. I don't know how you I, you have to overcome your silver spoon one to a certain degree. Um, two, you. I think it takes a special person drive wise when you're basically set up for your life to, to want to achieve those things. I think, I think, right. I think he, you know, that's going to be the deciding factor. I mean, he's got everything he could possibly have, um, you know, every that's opportunity fair. he could possibly have great swing, going to shoot great scores. But then again, you know, I've seen the margin between guys on a caddy four on the corn ferry tour out there elite amateurs I caddied for and the difference between those guys in the corner ferry and the elite guys on a PGA tour, it's a very, very small. So, I mean, who knows what they're, what he's going to end up having. Um, he's had success. I think you have to have success at junior level, college level, you know, minor tour level, whether it be corn ferry. And then, and then it's tough to win out there. So, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, uh, one more from, from me at least. Uh, so in my last job, um, I did graphics for, um, a company that did all kinds of, you know, marquee events, final fours. Um, I went out to Madison square garden a couple times for the ESPN classic. Like we had some pretty high profile events and, um, you know, I, kind of like you, I, I tried to make sure that I, I didn't really get too starstruck. Like it was, you know, I was just doing a job for somebody, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the, the one like true starstruck moment that I would say that I had was, um, I was actually about to do or put up some graphics in the Knicks locker room and the ESPN guy that was standing there next to me got something over the radio that said, Hey, coach K and Duke has come, you know, is coming in. Um, I thought that just meant like up the ramp. Um, but sure enough, not 30 seconds afterwards, you know, Duke and and coach K came in um, and I just kind of like stood up against the wall. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, coach K like looked me in the eyes and said, you know, how you doing today, son? Or, you know, whatever he said, and you know, good coach, you know, how are you? And kind of, obviously it wasn't, you know, small talking by any means, but it was enough that like, it wasn't just a normal conversation. I wouldn't think at least for me, um, so like that was the one time where I truly kind of got like starstruck of like, oh man, like this guy just talked to me, you know, he, he didn't have to, you know, whatever. He didn't even have to acknowledge me, but you know, 
there he is talking to me. Did you ever have like somebody where you were truly like starstruck like that? Um, I, yeah. I mean, I'm Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan, like I said, I, I was a huge, a huge Pacer fan, obviously, but you know, the WGM was a national station and, and Jordan to me as a basketball fan was must see TV, you know? Oh yeah. Just his athletic ability, the championships, the drive. Um, he just has that. He's a Tom Brady. He's a tight, tight woods. Um, so the day I got the caddy for him, I was somewhat star, starstruck, you know? Uh, but you know, Jordan is a golf nut. Um, and he plays fivesomes and five carts. So everybody has their own cart. There's music going, there's booze going, there's cigars going, and it's fast. So you don't have time really to to be to get too involved in any of it, you know. I did get right. to ask him. So I had to ask him, I had to ask him what his favorite dunk of all time was. You know, just I, mean, I can't believe I asked him that because he probably gets I never really bother people with with their own sport and a star or something like that, but I had to because oh yeah i thought it was going to be and it was it was the dunk in the playoffs over ewing off the baseline i was like yeah <laughs> i don't know if you guys know what the dunk i'm talking about but oh yeah the fact that he confirmed that was his favorite dunk which is my favorite dunk by far it, it was cool um so you know you i was completely completely starstruck but you know what? that's one great thing about about golf it um it it has a way of making people who are absolute superstars wealthy superstars of sports brilliant people it has a way of make it making them look like complete idiots which is the great yeah. thing about golf you know <laughs> so, oh yeah uh, you know and, and i guess the only other person i caddied quite a bit probably 20 times for for joe namath who's also a golf nut um and you know he's a great guy and he's I was never, I'm starstruck by him, but he, I never asked him about football. I, everybody's always asking him. Cause, so you don't want the guy working for you to, to be asking all those questions. And he's like, one right. day, he's like, John, you never asked me anything about football. I mean, cause I'm, you know, my age group, I knew Joe Amos and you know, how big of a celebrity he was. He was he never asked me anything about football. And like, That's one of the things I like about you. I said, well, you know, if I, had, if I had to ask you anything, it wouldn't be about football. I said, you growing up and being Broadway Joe in New York, I was asking about how many girls you got back in the day. How many <laughs> yeah. women you got back in New York all back in the day? He goes, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was that was my Joe Namath story. He, he's a great guy as well. That's amazing. Well, uh, jo John, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I, I just have one, you know, final question. And we'd love to Love to have you back sometime uh, to just talk through more because I'm sure you have a, a million stories that you could share. Um, but either whether it was through your golf experience at Eastern or Ball State or, um, you know, through the golf experience caddying, at, you know, different elite places that you have, what's one of the, the greatest lessons that you either learned uh, from, from golf that you could share with the, with the audience here? Um, you know, one, the great thing about golf is that, um, you can do it all your life. You can do it at different levels. And, you know, as, as of all the high profile and fun loops, tour players, famous people, famous athletes, president, um, like caddy for my favorite loop ever was I got to caddy for a group of with four generations, great, a grandson, his father, his father, his father, and the and the oldest one was ninety three years old, and a guy played all eighteen, made four pars. Wow! And to be able and to be able to just to just witness that, I mean, I was I was I had a smile on my face. I usually did anyway, caddying because uh, I really enjoyed it as a profession. Uh, 
but to see something like that, to see four generations uh, of guys playing together, um, that that's was probably the biggest thing I got out of it. The lesson, you know, um, of of, of the game, cool. the beauty of the game. I don't know if it's a lesson, but just really kind of what I love about the game, you know. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. I yeah, I can only imagine. I think that's that's what. Uh... I strive to to do at some point in, in my life for sure. I think that my, my family's rather, rather new to golf, but it would be amazing that, you know, Caleb and I are both new, newer dads and just the uh, thinking down the road of how we can keep our families involved and be able to have experiences like that one day as well. So John, again, we appreciate you coming on. Um, any other words you have for the podcast before we go? No, I think it's great. I'll, I'll, I'll start watching it. Yeah, um, for watching myself, and I do get back to, to that area like once in the summer, about a week every year in the summer, and maybe we can all get together and play golf sometime. There we go. Yeah, I could show you all the all the changes that have happened, or maybe not lack of changes that might have happened at Arrowhead or Hawkstail. That's where we did our, our birdie challenges out of Arrowhead, and um, yeah, we'll love, we'll love to get around with you. So thanks again, John, and and we'll hope to have you on soon. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the interview with John. Uh, so glad that we were able to finally get him on. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, he reached out uh, back in August, right before the uh, birdie challenge. So uh, we're, you know, saving some of the stories for the off season. And uh, clearly, you know, you, you heard some of the names already. So there's a lot of stories that I'm sure that he has that we didn't even scratch the surface on. Um, and a lot of lessons that I'm sure that he's learned through that. I mean, we're talking Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Joe Namath, just to name a few, uh, not to mention, you know, just being out there around a, a president. And um, I'm sure that the, the guests around that place, I mean, we, we know how, uh, how top tier that, that course is and that, that club is that he was at. So I'm sure a lot more that we can get into. So we, we fully intend to get him back on. Uh, but Caleb, any, anything you want to share? Uh, or thoughts that you had based on the interview with John. Yeah, I mean, just wild stories. I that he can and you know may not be able to tell us in the future. You know, depending yeah. on on who it is. But you know, excited to hear more of those. Um, you know, at least for our maybe not our generation is the is the wrong term, but like for us growing up, like we we caught the back end of of Jordan's career. Or at least I did. I don't. Were you born after 2000? No, dude, like, what the hell? I know you're like three or four years younger than me. I, I wasn't born after 2000. Keep going. All right, all right. So, <laughs> like, obviously we know what Jordan is. We know what Tiger is. Like, he's caddied for two of, like, the literal greatest athletes that this world has ever seen. Yeah. Like, and – not just like their pure athletic ability, but like their athletic mindset. Like you, I would argue that those two, you could probably throw in Brady. Like those three are probably the m most high profile. I am going to attack you with everything inside of me and it does not matter. Um, you know, kind of mindset that, that we've, that anybody's ever seen. And he was fortunate enough to be able to to play with two of them, and you know we didn't ask him about about Brady or anybody um, yet. But I mean, if he has, like that's that's awesome. Like, well, that would be. I mean, I think to your point, like not only like 
you know, Michael Jordan and, and how he kind of mentioned, like, it wasn't at his sport, right? Like, you know, everybody kind of um, at their at their sport, like, clearly Michael Jordan's known for basketball, uh, but when you get out to play golf, like, you can look like an idiot, right? But, like, he got to be around Tiger in Tiger sport. So, like, not only did right. he get the – you know, the, the greatness factor, just being around a person like Michael Jordan or Tiger, but he got to be around Tiger in his element two months before he won the, his last major and potentially his last major ever, depending on how his recovery goes. Like, so you're seeing, you know, top, top tier Tiger Woods shooting a 63 or 65, whatever it was <laughs> out at, uh, yeah. out of the course like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's amazing. And, and this is the, you know, this is a little surreal for me because it's like there's this person I think that we uh, talk about, like, you know, we kind of on the podcast talk about, like, oh, it's just Greenfield or it's just like Indiana. And, like we're not around a whole lot of golf greatness out here, but it's like there's just this small degree of separation. And we start to have this conversation with somebody that has been around Tiger, has been around MJ. And, and I, I think he's mentioned Brooks and a lot of these other top golfers. I mean, you know, who lives out in Jupiter, they're pretty open. So I'm assuming that they played at Trump national out, out at, uh, in Jupiter, if, if they, if they live in that area. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's cool to see how, how golf, you know, grows, um, or, you know, just the different opportunities out there, you know, for somebody that grew up where where we did you know talking about charlottesville and arrowhead and and hawkstail is just uh pretty cool stuff but um yeah any any final words for the podcast before we go caleb no not that i can that not that i can think of okay well uh again everybody thank you for sticking with us here through the off season uh we do have some planned discussions of course uh we'll have another episode out here in a couple of weeks um, and then, you know, clearly we're getting into the holiday season. So ha- have some ideas. Maybe we can start, uh, you know, putting some ideas out there for some Christmas presents. If you, if you celebrate the, the best holiday out there, um, talk about, you know, some of the, uh, options that you can start to plant the seed a little bit or make your wife or girlfriend or whoever listen to the podcast and we'll, we'll plant a couple seeds for you. So grow that listener yep. base or, uh, uh, and, and get some ROI from listening to bags or having your wife or girlfriend listen to bags as well. So, um, keep For up sure. with us on Twitter at bags golf. Um, and like I said, we'll be back uh, here in a couple of weeks to talk a little more off season golf and all that good stuff. So until then we'll see you next time.